Welcome to today's issues. Join us for the next hour as we offer a Christian response to the issues of the day. Here's your host, Ed Vitagliano. And welcome, folks, to today's issues. It is Monday, January 10th, and I probably will wait a few weeks before asking my producer, Brent Creeley, to let us know how many days until Christmas. Because, <laughs> you know, it uh, it didn't seem like it was. It took that long from the first time I asked Brent, and then we were upon Christmas. And uh, anyway, we're going to... Uh, Go to Ray Pritchard right now. Uh, Dr. Ray Pritchard, I should say the immeasurable Ray Pritchard. Ray, good morning to you. Good morning. Nobody's tried to measure me lately, so <laughs> so there you go. How are was, you, Ed? Hey, I'm doing good. I was trying to think of a word uh, because I, I usually try to have some sort of you know superlative when I introduce you, and I thought immeasurable. And then Brent was asking me, well, what, what word do you have for Ray? And I said it, and I thought – that doesn't even really make sense. I don't well, really I mean, even know what that means, but, but okay, I'll take it. <laughs> well, it was the only superlative I could think of, and it doesn't necessarily, it's not necessarily, you know, complimentary. In fact, it can I'll take be, it. Can I, be I an even, insult. I, you know, it's, it's better not to think about things like that. Just take it. I'll just take it, right? <laughs> well, the last time I went to see my doctor for my checkup, he said, same thing about me, you're immeasurable. <laughs> And that's frightening. That's a slightly different connotation yes. if your doctor says that, right? Yeah. Well, the uh, snicker you heard there is from Fred Jackson. Good morning, Fred. Good morning. Good to be with you. And I, I would like to comment on the decor in Ray's studio. Yes. Here in Kansas City. Yes. Uh, now, our, 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 our listeners who do watch us, and I'll give that, in, those, uh, that information here in just a second. If you do want to watch us on radio, they can't see Ray, can they? No, they okay. can't see Ray, so that's why I want to describe it. Yeah. Because last <laughs> week I made mention that he had his Christmas decorations still up. Still. <laughs> now, this morning, uh, Ray joins us uh, zooming in here, and he's got palm trees. Oh, uh, yeah. That's, oh, yeah. He just wants to get back out on his bike. You got that right. <laughs> you, 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 it's been cold and snowy and all that other stuff here in Kansas Slick. City. You got these palm trees. You got my bike thing, my bike poster up on the wall. They're just to give me a little hope. A little Spring's got to come eventually. Coming right? around the corner. And if anyone knows anything about not riding a bike when it's winter, it's you. You, isn't that, pretty isn't that much right, right? Yeah. After I broke a few things, that broke me of that habit about three years ago. Yeah. So uh, anyway, we're glad you're, you're, you're healthy and strong and ready to get back out there on the bike as soon as the weather warms up. Um, Tim, uh, Wildman is out this week. I will be, uh, sitting in the captain's chair and I think we're going to have this kind of lineup. Steve Jordan, I'll be around at the, uh, next hour to, uh, help us with some of the other news, uh, of the day, but Fred, oh, folks, I did, I did mention I was going to let you know. So let me let you know, give instruct brief instructions. If you would like to watch this program, this radio program, uh, all you have to do is go to either Facebook or YouTube and search for today's issues. And if you click through, you can watch the video stream of this program. Uh, uh, Fred, I think, wasn't uh, 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 the um, Rush Limbaugh the first one who kind of had the the video going of his radio program? Remember, I yeah. always thought, who would who wants to watch someone do radio? It's doesn't seem to fit, but that's 
kind of popular for, for people nowadays. And, you know, quite simple. Just he put a little camera in his studio. And, uh, yeah, the, the world kind of likes to see. And, and, and let's face it, Rush Limbaugh was bigger-than-life personality. Yes. And uh, he, I'm, he was immeasurable. He, yes, he was immeasurable. <laughs> he had the golden microphone. Yes, and that's it, right. I forgot was, about that. It was kind of neat uh, to be able to to watch him and the see the expressions on his face because he was very animated uh, at times and made his point of view quite strongly. So it was quite neat. And, you know, today, folks, it is like in, in the old days of television, you had to have a television studio right. and you had the desk and things look really formal. But today, you know, with everybody having a cell phone uh, taking selfies and pictures uh of everywhere they they go uh s- having a video of somebody sitting in a radio studio uh it doesn't go along with the tradition about you know in television you have to have activity and right i was told when i first did some television way way back when is that the picture had to change every 15 seconds yeah that was the rule because people and, didn't have long uh, attention spans a- attention spans now Somehow, I guess people have long attention spans uh, because, you know, people spend hours kind of talking to people on cell phones, their pictures and everything, and nobody seems to mind that anymore. No, I know. So here we are. All right. Well, this morning when we had our story meeting, mm-hmm. you came in with a stack of stories. It was a busy. It was a busy weekend. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I check uh, news feeds pretty pretty regularly uh, over the weekend. Uh, you know, don't go into great depth because I, I do have a life. You know, I do have other things that I'm doing. But there were a ton of stories this weekend. Why don't you get us started with uh, with one of those that you picked out of the stack? Well, normally, you know, the first couple of weeks of a new year, it's really quiet. People come out of Christmas, and it takes a while to crank things back up again. Right. Uh, but we're living in a day and age where that certainly isn't happening here in the you know the United States of America. There's so much going on. It's COVID-related. It's politics and the intersection of those two. I mean, January 6th, the Democrats had the anniversary events of that last Thursday. Right. Uh, we had the President of the United States, the Vice President of the United States, all making speeches. Uh, it was an all-day affair with the Democrats. Right. And, uh, you know, they, and everybody knows they try to make political hay of it. And then on Friday... You're talking about the quote-unquote insurrection. Yes, from quote-unquote. Yes. And we'll get to that in right. just a second. But on Friday, uh, the big news was that there were various groups that went before the United States Supreme Court, court to argue against Joe Biden's COVID mandates because those mandates, and then we're talking in particular mandates for, for organizations that have more than 100 employees... Right. Uh, they must have their employees vaccinated. And uh, for medical workers or any medical facility that takes Medicare and Medicaid dollars, federal dollars, they'd have to have their pe- their people, their staff vaccinated, or they would not get uh, those Medicare or Medicaid dollars. So two key issues, uh, all due to kick in this month of January. And so that's why these groups, and also because other lower courts for the most part, have ruled against the mandates, but there have been a few that haven't. So these entities go to the Supreme Court, and they say we want a quick decision on this. So as we sit here this morning, uh, we are waiting. Some people say the Supreme Court will make a decision fairly quickly, 
as to whether there should be at least a hold put on these mandates. But it was very interesting listening. We couldn't see the people making arguments on Friday in the Supreme Court, but they allowed us to hear it. So uh, it was fascinating. It became, I, I, I listened to most of it. It went for about an hour and a half, two hours. Listened to most of it. It became very clear very quickly that the three liberal justices, they are all in with Joe Biden and his mandates. And those Kagan, Sotomayor, and Breyer, uh, I mean, they were cheerleaders. Right. But for Justice Sotomayor, she got into some trouble. Uh, I'm going to be kind. She slightly exaggerated the situation with COVID. Uh, and I'm, it's tongue-in-cheek, slightly. Yeah. At one point, I want you to have a listen to it. This is going to be cut number six, Brent. What she had to say about children in hospital with COVID. Cut number six. Um, we have hospitals that are almost at full capacity with people is severely ill on ventilators. We have over 100,000 children, which we've never had before, in, in serious condition, and uh, many on ventilators. Without um, some workplace rules uh, uh, with respect to vaccines, or encouraging vaccines, because this is not a vaccine mandate, and, uh, inc- and requiring masking, uh, and requiring isolation of people who have tested for COVID. All right, so there's two things there so that we can unpackage in her statement. She talked about 100,000 kids in hospital in serious condition, including on ventilators. And then she said, this isn't a mandate. That really confused me and confused a lot of people. So let's deal with the claim, 100,000 kids in serious condition in hospital with COVID, many of them on ventilators. Well, it turns, uh, she said 100,000. It turns out she was off by 97,000. Just over 3,000 kids across the hospital. We're not um, diminishing the seriousness of 3,000 kids, but it's nowhere near 100,000. And people are left scratching their heads. What in the world is going on? Where did she pull that from? And uh, so far... There hasn't been a statement from Justice Sotomayor has to say, sorry, uh, I was wrong. Uh, So, you know, it was very interesting. Brett Baer on Fox uh, on the weekend, uh, and I'm a little surprised by this, but the CDC director, Rochelle Walensky, uh, was on as a guest. Yeah. So, needless to say, uh, Brett Baer of Fox News took the opportunity, and you're going to hear it here in Cut 7, took the opportunity to ask Rochelle Walensky, uh, the head of the CDC, what's with the Sotomayor claim of 100,000 kids? Listen to how the CDC director answered that question. Cut seven. The we number's not 100,000. It's roughly 3,500 in hospitals now. It, yes, there are, there are. And in fact, what I will say is while pediatric hospitalizations are rising, they're still about 15-fold less than hospitalizations of our older age, age demographics. Do you have a number of children on ventilators? Um, I do not know, have that off the top of my head, but what I can say is for I, I don't believe there are um, any in many of these hospitals who are vaccinated. So really, the highest risk of being uh, on a ventilator if you're a child is if you're unvaccinated. So see how she quickly pivoted away. She didn't want to be critical of Sotomayor, but it all goes back. You've got to be vaccinated. Got to be, vaccination is the magic 
according to the CDC director. You know, uh, Ray, we have talked about since, uh, not since the beginning of the pandemic uh, in the early parts of 2020, but uh, certainly uh, within about six months or so, maybe even by the summer of 2020, when we started talking on this show about the fact that the medical community, especially the uh, those who are tied to the Biden administration just did not seem to be uh, being straightforward with us. Maybe it started with all the kerfuffle over or kerfuffle. I'm not sure how that is, but uh, over uh, hydroxychloroquine and why wasn't anyone talking about that? But what uh, Rochelle Walensky was doing there, and I watched several of the clips as Brett Baer tried to very respectfully. And professionally, I, I might add, he he wasn't foamy at the mouth, but he was trying to get a clear statement from the head of the CDC, and she would not address the questions, the very clear questions that we all would want to know about the quote-unquote science of this, and she dodged, and that, that is not her job. Her job is to tell the truth, and she would not address the very clear question that Brett Baer was asking, was Justice Sotomayor Mayor wrong in what she said? After all, all we've heard about is misinformation. Facebook and Twitter and YouTube, everyone's talking about we don't want misinformation. Well, was the one of the justices of the Supreme Court spreading misinformation? And then he continually tried to get a straight answer, and she wouldn't give it. Is there any uh, – is it any surprise – that so many people are suspicious about, quote-unquote, the science? You know, look, at I can't blame anybody for being skeptical about the government, about Dr. Fauci, about the CDC, about the mandates, the rules, and all the rest. Uh, I, I'm going to say this. It's clear that from the beginning, from the get-go, which goes back to the Trump administration, and because the, the beginning of it happened in that last year of his administration, right. there was— there was uh, artful dodging of the facts, changing of the facts. We were told one thing, then we were told something else. And we had 15 days, 30 days, a month, two, and here we are, what, almost two years later, and we're not to the end of it yet. So they've been playing politics. Certain people in the government have been playing politics from the very beginning. And God bless Brett Baer. He's one of the few in the media who at least tries to play it even-handed because CNN and MSNBC and NBC generally they have been in the uh, they've been in the tank for the administration and for the uh, well just for for that there's been a, a joining of the media the medical establishment to to bring down these rules on the American people. So now we have the rather shocking spectacle of a justice of the Supreme Court who apparently, and I asked myself, she made so many mistakes. Was she being intentional? Actually, I doubt that. I doubt it. I think she simply did not know what she was talking about, which is even more shocking to me. I think she just pulled a number right out of her head. Because if you miss it by 97,000, right. if the right number is 3,000 and you give them 100,000, you're just making that stuff up out of thin air. So she embarrassed herself and, frankly, cast cast the Supreme Court in a bad light. And Brett Baer, God bless him for trying to get the director of the CDC to come clean about this. She wouldn't do it. You know, Fred, I would have been happy with well, uh, Director Walensky saying this. Uh, 
Brett, you're exactly right. The, uh, the Justice uh, Sotomayor was incorrect. We want to make sure we have the facts out there. The number is closer to 3,500, certainly not 100,000. And no, we don't have tens of thousands of children on ventilators. Uh, the fact of the matter is, if you're a child, uh, you have your, your a chance of being that sick and dying is 0.0001%. I think Brett Baer actually brought that up to mm-hmm. Walensky. Uh, and then she could have said, but you know what? We are really wanting young people to get vaccinated because it helps you keep from getting really sick and winding up in the hospital. I'd have been fine with that mm-hmm. kind of response mm-hmm. because to me that indicates that the CDC is in, really is interested in the science, but she sidestepped sizable questions that anybody would have about that exchange uh, with Sotomayor and she just she had an opportunity to set the record straight, and like Ray said, she didn't want to. Hence, the suspicion. What what is it? What is it that 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 you say you're for the science? Yeah, uh, Director Walensky. Well, why won't you talk about science? Why are you only talking about vaccines? Well, and, and this is the thing. Remember, we were told early on in the vaccination process that you know kids are are pretty safe. And you know, that that was one of the reasons why parents got so upset that their schools were shut down. Right. Is because kids are going to be okay. That's what Dr. Fauci and others said the science was 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 directing people on that poll. Now all of a sudden, now we want people uh, kids vaccinated as young as five, 4 or yep. 5 years old. I mean, now now they're pushing that. I mean, we got schools shut down in Chicago again today. This is day 4 or 5. Because the teachers' union is running the school district there. That's over 300,000 kids are being forced to stay at home because the teachers' union, and this is absolutely bizarre, City of Chicago got a billion dollars in federal taxpayers' money to make schools safe. Remember the big demand for that? They wanted to uh, change the air conditioning systems and all of that. So a billion dollars went to that one city, and now the schools are still shut down because the teachers' union says, well... We're a little bit scared because right. Omicron, you know, it, it transmits easily and all that sort of thing. So the plastic barriers, the masks, all of that. now It's all, all sitting there. It's all sitting there. And new ventilation systems, right. you know, in the schools. And the parents are saying, what's going on here? Right. Even the liberal mayor of Chicago. Yeah, Lori Lightfoot. She's, she's saying, I'm not going to pay you. She's teachers. saying it's illegal. Yep, what's going on here? It's illegal. I'm not going to pay you. So it's a mess. Also in the interview with Brett Baer, and I wanted to draw attention to this. Here's the other question he asked Walensky yesterday. Do you know how many of the 836,000 deaths in the U.S. linked to COVID are from COVID or how many are with COVID, but they had other comorbidities? Hey, explain that just a little bit, the difference between those two, being in the hospital with as opposed to from. All right. Say Jane Doe goes in for a hip replacement. All right. Has to have a hip replacement or appendix out or whatever the case may be. So they go in. Uh, they're fine. They test her. And they t- they test her a few days in. Yeah. And she's got COVID. Well, what it seems is early on, they were putting check marks by boxes. Right. Patient A has COVID. Right. Patient B has COVID. 
if they test positive in it. But there's a difference. And he's talking about the 836,000 deaths. Well, there's a difference if you're dying with COVID or because of COVID. Yeah, if you die because of a heart attack, yes, and you're you you didn't die of COVID, yes, you died of a heart attack with COVID, yes. But if you mark that as dying from COVID, that becomes a COVID death, yes, when it's not really because of COVID. And that you talked about suspicion. I find it amazing that the CDC we're what two years into this yes. now. She could not give a figure. She says, well, we're looking at data and everything. I'm sorry. Someone who passed away two years ago, and you don't have figures on whether that person died with COVID or because of COVID, I'm not buying that. That just raises the public suspicion once again. What's going on here? Because one of the things we heard early on was the hospitals were getting extra money for people uh, who are tested with positive are treating people with COVID. And we heard this earlier about, well, they entered the hospital because of appendicitis. Yeah. Not because of COVID, but you're going to check Mark. So you get extra money from the government. Yeah. And, and, and the reasoning behind that was as far as we know, and some of these hmm. hospitals might've been different from city to city, but they were being encouraged to postpone elective surgeries mm-hmm to make room for the flood of COVID cases requiring hospitalization that the CDC expected to occur. Mm -hmm. So the federal government was giving money to the hospitals to keep them in the black, so to speak. Yes. So in putting off those elective surgeries or those elective tests, um, you, you could keep room for COVID patients. So that's where a lot of this money was coming from. Yeah. So, as I say, this just to your point about the public suspicion, you put the Sotomayor stuff together with Walensky uh, talking about, well, we really don't know those figures. This all begins to add up to a lot of suspicion on the public's part. Plus, we're two years into this now, and a lot of people think it is time. And Joe Biden, remember Joe Biden in the last couple of weeks, we're going to have to live with this. There's no federal solution. There's no federal solution. We're going to throw this one back to the states because we got an election coming up in November, and I don't want to be tagged because Joe Biden told us in the election campaign, you remember that? Oh, yeah. He's going to beat this virus. I'm going to beat this virus. We're we're going to shut the virus down, he said. We're not going to shut down the economy. Right. Well, guess what? That didn't work out too well. Well, he's... He is shutting down the economy. <laughs> it's, it's for other other policies that he's uh, not technically, folks, but uh, clearly with inflation raging and so on and so forth. H- highest uh, inflation rate, I think, in 40 years. Ray, we're about to come up to a, to a break here. So let me just toss this to you. You know, uh, the Bible says you shall know the truth and the truth shall set you free. Obviously, that has to do with the relationship with Jesus Christ. But as a principle, truth makes things clearer, and there is freedom when you know the truth. Most Americans are having a hard time getting the truth from the government and the medical community, at least in a form that does not smack of politics, right? Well, we feel like we've been lied to, we've been misled, we've been misdirected. Again, I don't blame anybody for feeling skeptical at this point. The words of Jesus, though they apply especially, Ed, to what you said, they really do go across all human relationships, don't they? The truth is always better than a falsehood. Americans, 
We are a grown-up people. Tell us the truth and give us the tools we need to make our own decisions, and we can decide what is best. Right. All right, folks, we will be back after this short break. You're listening to Today's Issues on the American Family Radio Network. Don't go away. What does the American Family Association stand for? We believe true morality flows from biblical principles and directs people to the manner in which God intends them to live. These values and more are part of our mission to inform, equip, and activate individuals to strengthen the moral foundations of our culture. We also support the church. We want to be a leading organization in biblical worldview training for cultural transformation. Thank you for standing with us as we seek to stop the erosion of godly values. Well, the year is 2022, and it's time to travel again. Hello, everyone. I'm Tim Wildman, president of American Family Association and American Family Radio. Hey, it is 2022, and we've got our spiritual heritage tours planned for June and September. And we look forward to it warming up and us getting back out there, seeing our great country. And we invite you to join us. We're going to Williamsburg, Jamestown, and Yorktown. And then we've got a separate trip to Washington, D.C. and Mount Vernon, the home of George Washington. So the itinerary for these tours, the cost, everything you need to know is available at spiritualheritagetours.com, spiritualheritagetours.com. We're going to have a great time with fellow listeners to AFR and supporters of American Family Association in June and September. Sign up now before we run out of space. That's spiritualheritagetours.com. Hello, Americans. I'm Todd Starnes. Stand by for news and commentary next. Everyone's goals for advancing their education look different. At Liberty University, we've helped thousands of students like you earn their dream degree. So no matter what your goal is, we can help you get there. With over 450 degrees from the associate to the doctoral level to choose from, most of which are 100% online, you'll find what you need to succeed. To discover which degree might be the best fit for you, text DEGREE to 49595. That's DEGREE to 49595. One year after announcing they would no longer sell MyPillow products, Bed Bath & Beyond announced more than $100 million in third quarter losses and the closure of 37 stores. Bed Bath & Beyond said the closures were part of an overall strategy announced in 2020. They eventually planned to close some 200 stores. The news came on the same day the company announced third-quarter losses of $100 million. Bed Bath & Beyond joined dozens of other big-box stores last year in banning MyPillow products, angry over founder Mike Lindell's allegiance to President Trump. Now look, I'm a good church-going Southern Baptist, but even I'm wondering if Bed Bath & Beyond's financial collapse is just coincidence or karma. The socialists are making a play to take over America. I explain what we can do about it in my latest book, Culture Jihad, How to Stop the Left from Killing a Nation. You can get a copy right now at your favorite bookstore or toddstearns.com. Have no fear of them, nor be troubled, but in your hearts honor Christ the Lord as holy, always being prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that is in you. Yet do it with gentleness and respect, having a good conscience, so that when you are slandered, those who revow your good behavior in Christ may be put to shame. 
1 Peter 3, 14 through 16. American Family Radio. This is today's issues. Email your comments to comments at AFR.net. Past broadcasts of today's issues are available for listening and viewing in the archive at AFR.net. Now, back to more of today's issues. And welcome back, folks, our dear listeners. Ed Vitagliano sitting in for Tim Wildman today. I'm joined by the immeasurable Ray Pritchard, whatever that means, <laughs> and also Fred Jackson, news director for American Family News. Uh, all right, Fred, let's uh, carry on. Well, you know, you guys have been talking about <laughs> the public, understandably so, growing more suspicious uh, su- suspicious about what officials are telling them right. about COVID. Now, one of the cases being argued for the, in front of the Supreme Court last week had to do with health care workers being mandated by the federal government. You must have uh, vaccinations. And, of course, the guidelines that have been out there so far, if a medical worker tests positive, uh, then you're off-site, uh, 10 days, 15 days, quarantine, whatever the case may be. So with that as a background, I was rather shocked at the headline that came out on the weekend California went from mandating vaccines to forcing COVID positive positive healthcare employees to work. Now, this, uh, repeat that again because this is this is stunning. The California Department of Public Health issued new guidelines allowing hospitals and health networks to force COVID positive healthcare workers to continue working if they are asymptomatic. Now, we have been told, regardless of whether you have symptoms or not, if you test positive, you are a leper. Right. You know, we're not going to allow you You're a super spreader. You're a super spreader. So now uh, the the situation has grown so dire, and we're not making light of that, is that because of these hospitals have been basically kicking, uh, well, if you don't get vaccinated, you don't have a job. Right. Uh, Or if you test positive, you must stay home. So this is rather remarkable how things have evolved in two years. Now hospitals, they're so desperate for workers, is that you test positive for COVID, but if you're asymptomatic, you're not showing any problems, running your nose, whatever the case may be, uh, we want you to come in and work. So they're, they're coming in, these workers, they have COVID, and they're going to be treating patients with COVID. What a change that is. Yeah, um, Ray, it seems clear to me, uh, you know, the the old expression, necessity is the mother of invention. Yes. Uh, well, in this case, necessity is the mother of getting rid of bad rules and bad regulations. It's it just, it, it. I wonder in, let's, let's assume, uh, maybe this is wrong, but let's assume that Omicron is the last real strain of COVID that uh, is going to have everyone hyperventilating. Uh, let's say in March or April, COVID just fades away as the story of the day. I wonder if hospitals, Ray, are going to, since they will still probably be shorthanded. There was already shortages of good doctors and shortages of nurses in this country because they weren't, they just weren't going to, to medical school in record numbers uh, anymore. I wonder if all these hospitals are going to give a call back to the, all the people that they 
fired for not being vaccinated and saying, hey, no hard feelings. How about you come back? We, we, need, we need workers. Look, I think that's already happening in some places around the country. As case numbers have soared because of Omicron, and everybody continues to say it's relatively mild, relatively compared with Delta and the original strain. As it spreads like wildfire in many areas, that's exactly what some hospitals and healthcare centers are doing. They said to these nurses, they said to these doctors, they said to these technicians, get vaxxed or lose your job, and a, a lot of people chose to lose their jobs than to get a jab they didn't want, didn't think they needed. Now they're beginning to look, if if you've gone as far as what Fred has said, to say to the vaccinated with COVID, you got to come back in and work anyway, you might as well say to the unvaxxed who are otherwise healthy, we need you desperately. That's exactly what is beginning to happen around the country. Maybe maybe this is one big one big brick in the in the mandate wall that is beginning to crumble before our, our eyes. One hopes the whole wall will come down quickly. That's a great metaphor. Mm-hmm. I like that. One one brick in the mandate wall. That's that's uh that that's a great figure of speech. Well, Ray, let me just ask you this. Um, uh, I don't I don't know exactly what the percentages are for all the um, branches of the military. Uh, I think the Navy was like 97%. The Marines, I think, maybe had like 10% who weren't vaccinated. I, I, I don't, off the top of my head, I can't. But uh, I, I wonder, what, what if there's, what if there, what if China attacks Taiwan? What if Russia uh, attacks Ukraine? What if, in other words, what if there is a what sudden... If situ- uh, yeah, what if the situation in Kazakhstan, which yes. we're not talking much about, but if that that's just right there on the verge of exploding and suddenly engulfing the Middle East in war yet again, what if that happens? Yes. Do and, we, and we, did we and have we, the military call all these people back? That's exactly what will happen. If anything, if anything goes on more than 24 or 48 hours, you're going to need full strength platoons, full-strength companies, battalions, divisions. And we've we've seen some really, really good men and women who have been forced in their military careers early. When trouble comes, we need the best of the best on the front lines. So I don't know. I don't know what the big thinkers at the Pentagon will do, but I know what they should do. Yep. They ought to call back those those soldiers, those men and women, and put them back on active duty because we need them in our military. I'll tell you what, Fred, one of the things I would do if I was a nurse in California, let's say, mm-hmm. and they showed me the door because I wasn't vaccinated, mm. and then they called and said, hey, we are tremendously short-staffed. We need you back. All is forgiven. I would tell them I'll come back for a signing bonus and my back pay. Yes. And if it's worth it to you to have me come back, Mm -hmm. that's what I want. Yeah. Because they've been, I I understand the argument that you might, you don't want to have healthcare workers expose people. I don't want to be uncharitable uh, here to the hospitals and so on and so forth, but making people get the vaccine or lose your job, your livelihood that was beyond the pale. So I, if I was them, I'd say, you give me my back pay, I'll come back. Yeah. Anyway. Well, uh, another uh, uh, factor of raising suspicions in the public these days is the fact that p- people who are fully vaccinated got their boosters, they're coming down with it. Yeah. Some pretty famous people coming down with it. 
And uh, you may be familiar with the name Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> Fully vaccinated. I mean, she got all the shots. She got the booster just a couple of weeks ago before. As Tim would say, she's got the patch. Yeah. <laughs> there is no patch, but if there was one, she'd have it. Yeah, got the booster just before she went down to Florida to have a good time. Without <laughs> her mask. Without her mask. She was hugging and kissing people at a big party and the whole thing. She has come down. As uh, far as I know, the symptoms are very mild. But this is, the, this is the thing that's starting to drive people crazy. You told us, Dr. Fauci. Right. You told us, CDC. You know, get vaccinated. President Biden, how many times? This is a pandemic of the unvaccinated. And now what do we have happening? People fully vaccinated. People with boosters. They are getting it. Uh, another name you may be familiar with, uh, Whoopi Goldberg. Yes. Fully vaccinated. She was shocked to find out she had it. She was shocked. Uh, listen to just the, she's just so upset. Cut number two. They have to test us. And so they sent people to test me. And uh, they tested me and it was like, oh, no, you're not, you're not coming back. <laughs> We're not sending anybody to your house. You have Corona. And it was like, wait, what? <laughs> what? It was a, it was a shock because you know I'm triple vaxxed. I haven't been anywhere. I haven't done anything. Unless everybody gets vaccinated, this is what we're going to be facing for the next, uh, you know, know, little while. So she still found a way to play. That's the absurd. Up- I know <laughs> the absurdity of that statement. Unless everyone gets vaccinated. Well, wait a second. You're triple vaxxed. <laughs> If everybody gets vaccinated, what uh-huh. what is it that you think is going to happen? No one's going to get it or spread it. Well, how does she know she got it from the unvaccinated? Oh no, they, that that's that's too logical <laughs> a, a, a question she asked and answer. Me, she walked down the street in New York. She's she knows. Yeah, and Ray, I, I, I've tried to be fair throughout all this. I understand that the CDC and the medical community, their argument is that if you are vaccinated, they admit if you're vaccinated. Even with the booster, you can still get it. You can still transmit it. But your symptoms won't be as uh, as strong. You're less likely to be hospitalized, less likely to die. I understand that that's the argument. And I have no reason to believe that that, that is necessarily wrong just because it's coming from the CDC. Okay, but what we haven't heard is the science behind well, what if you've already had it, you're not vaccinated, but you have natural immunity, those kinds of things. What we get are those kinds of statements from Whoopi Goldberg that just don't make any sense. She's saying that she got it because somebody else was unvaccinated, but she's triple vaccinated. So does it not provide some protection to be vaccinated? And if not, why are they talking about it? You know, Ed, we keep coming back to a certain basic truth here, a certain scientific truth. The virus is going to do what the virus is going to do. It's going to spread. It's going to mutate. We're going to have waves of it. You said earlier that you hope this Omicron wave is the end. I think we're all hoping that because it is it is clearly more transmissible than the earlier waves. And we're hoping that, hoping we can get to this herd, hum- herd humidity, herd, immu- <laughs> <laughs> this herd immunity, and to, uh, to, to get the natural immunity in people. Look, uh, I've made no secret of the fact that, that my wife and I have both been vaccinated over the weekend. We found out some folks 
let's just say close to us, real close to us, came down with COVID. Right. And so we had a bag full of, of these test at home deals. You know, yeah. you go to Walgreens right. or CVS. We, my wife happened to be there the one day they had some in stock and she bought a bunch. And, and so even though I've been vaccinated and Marlene's been vaccinated, we both, uh, and we both had COVID a year ago. So, I mean, I feel like I ought to be as strong as I could possibly be right. on that. But we took the test because this vaccine clearly does not prevent you from getting the virus. It clearly does not. It does not provide any sort of 100% immunity. Look, we'd all feel better if they would just say the truth instead of making promises that have now clearly proven to be untrue. Well, I know that, uh, of course, most of our listeners know American Family Radio is a network of 181 stations, and our flagship station, our base, is here in Tupelo, Mississippi. The um, Omicron variant, Fred, is going gangbusters Mm -hmm. in our city. Yep. I mean, everywhere I ever turn around, there are people who are getting it. Yep. And and obviously passing it along. So, to Ray's point, it's... It's going to go through the community, and it seems to not matter at all if you've been vaccinated. It seems to not matter at all if you've had COVID in the past and have antibodies. Yeah, you just if it's if it's if someone sneezes on you, you're getting it. Yeah, and it's going to happen. And and I mean, the folks in South Africa, the medical officials in South Africa, two months ago, three months ago, told us that. Yeah, uh, it was their experience. This is where we first started to right. read about Omicron. And they said, comes in gangbusters and goes out the same way. Yeah. It's just all of a sudden. And they said, for the most part, the symptoms would be very mild. Yeah. And uh, some have said this may be a good thing. Uh, It may turn into a godsend, Omicron, uh, because it may up the potential for herd immunity. Yeah. More and more people get it. They develop antibodies which I still believe is probably the best protection. If your immune system is activated and charged up, uh, then that's going to help you the best. Well, it's, it's traditionally what a vaccine is supposed to do. Yes. Is to uh, make your body aware. Uh, everyone, I, I freely admit, I'm, I'm not very scientifically adept here, but my understanding has always been it makes your body aware of the virus so mm-hmm. that it kicks in to fight it quickly, mm-hmm. but that it also helps your body produce some antibodies mm-hmm. against that initial yes. uh, 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 confrontation with the dead or weakened virus. More, so More and more, I believe that people who have said all along now, we're going to reach the point uh, with COVID that, well, society is going to have to treat it like the flu Yeah, all these years. There's going to be flu seasons. There's going to be COVID seasons. Right. There are going to be times when we're going to go through this. There are people with... Uh, certain health conditions that will be more vulnerable. Yes. So uh, let's just plan for that and move forward. Yeah. But this idea of shutting down all our schools, shutting down businesses, uh, I think no longer public policy is not supported by science. Right. Anymore on that. So uh, that, right. that is where we are. All right. Uh, any other stories related to this? Uh, we, we don't know when the Supreme Court is going to rule on the Biden mandates, but we expect it to be sooner rather than later because this was an emergency petition at to least, the High Court. At least a decision putting a hold on them. Right. At least that. Okay. Well, uh, we'll keep our we'll keep our listeners uh, uh, in uh, continue to give information. 
regarding one, one more quick story on case. this. Um, guidance issued by the Biden administration states certain individuals may be considered high risk and more quickly qualify for monoclonal antibodies and oral antivirals used to treat COVID-19 based on their race or ethnicity. Now, this is dis- this is actually a disturbing story. It is a disturbing story that you actually are going to have a public policy that based on the color of your skin, we're going to allow uh, these. These are treatments. Right. Okay. Which is where we all hope things are going, that the emphasis is going to be put on treatments. Right. Rather than the vaccinations, but treatments. But can you imagine now Joe Biden, apparently from the Biden administration, saying we're now going to consider when we start shipping these out, uh, what race you are, what ethnic group you're part of. This this will be another disaster. I, I, I don't understand this. Uh, I, I It's pure politics. Let me put it this way. This is pure politics. Yeah, the, the, the part of the concern is that they don't have enough of the treatments mm-hmm. available for everyone who gets it. So uh, what the Biden administration has done is they have said, Priority goes to those in high-risk categories, and there's a a number of criteria for what constitutes high-risk, comorbidities and all these other kind of things. But then they they stuck into this grouping of high-risk minorities. Yes. That minorities, generally speaking, are high-risk in terms of their health because they get inadequate health care, which – it may be true on a broad categorical basis, but what's what's bizarre is that you have plenty of minorities. In other words, just because you're black doesn't mean you're poor. Yes. This is really related to poverty, mm-hmm. not necessarily race, in that people who are poor don't have access to as much health care because they don't have the money for it. They don't have jobs with insurance, so on and so forth. But to, to make a blanket statement and say that everyone who's poor is black yeah. or is a person of color is is a racist statement. Mm-hmm. There are plenty of people of color who are successful, who have jobs where they have uh, insurance and they can get good health care. Yeah. So to prioritize all minorities because you assume they are in that high risk category. Ray, does that, is that it, it, this is this is kind of a bizarre uh, approach that the Biden administration is taking. You know, the idea of prioritizing medical supplies where they are most needed, that makes sense, doesn't it? Where there's a tornado outbreak, the hurricane is hit, we understand. you got to move in with everything you've got. And where there are communities that have been hard hit with COVID, and we know largely where those are, almost on a day-by-day, maybe even hour-by-hour basis, the government ought to be getting these monoclonal antibodies and the other treatments, as Fred said, we ought to be getting them there. If it's New Orleans, let's get them to New Orleans. If it's Miami, let's get them to Miami. If it's inner city New York, then let's let's take a, you know, we're, we're throwing around trillions of dollars right. these days. How about if we take a few billion dollars and just put it into the development of these life-saving technologies and get it out so there's no waiting for anybody anywhere and if it's needed in Tupelo if that's where it's needed today let's get it to Tupelo to Memphis let's get it to Kansas City wherever it's needed and not simply on a race basis or an ethnic or skin color basis right yeah all right Fred all right well I mentioned off the top of the program that uh, last week last Thursday we haven't had a chance really to talk about this 
The Democrats decided to make a really, really, really big deal of the January 6th uh, riot at the U.S. Capitol. They call it, the media calls it an insur- insurrection. Right. So we had live speeches from President Biden, Kamala Harris, but it became very obvious, and I listened to those speeches, this was all about demonizing Donald Trump and his supporters. Yes. That became very, very clear. And hidden behind this kind of uh, outrage over what happened on January 6th is, or you shouldn't be surprised, a political agenda. Yeah. Because soon as all the speeches were over, you had Senate Majority Leader Chuck Schumer saying, now, here's the reason why we have to bring in a new law in this country that basically turns over elections to the federal government. Uh, Because those bad Republicans out there are trying to bring in new election laws that will disenfranchise, there's a word, disenfranchise certain voters. Actually, what the Republicans are trying to do in a lot of places is go back to where the rules were before the pandemic. Yes. All right? Let's be very clear about that. But to do that, uh, Chuck Schumer knows that uh, he doesn't have support in the Democratic Party. Certainly the Republicans aren't supporting this. And there's a couple of Democrats like Senator Manchin, Senator Senator uh, Cinema. Yeah. Two Democrats. Uh, but what he would like to see is doing away the, with the filibuster. He hopes he can persuade those two Democrats. The filibuster requires 60 votes yes. to bring in that legislation. Now, it's been agreed by the two parties through the years. They've expressed, when you're in the minority, um, they express frustration. No, you're in the majority, express frustration sometimes. Uh, you know, that requires 60 votes to get my legislation right. through. Uh, but then when you're in the minority... You like that idea of the 60 votes. Yes. All right. Chuck Schumer, in 2000, I think it was... I think 2005. 2005, I think it was. So now Chuck Schumer would like to get rid of the filibuster. And this was a Republican Senate. He was dealing with Chuck Schumer. All right. So let's have a listen to Chuck Schumer. He just thinks the filibuster is is, is protecting democracy in this country. This is 2005, cut eight. The bottom line is very simple. The ideologues in the Senate want to turn what the Founding Fathers called the cooling saucer of democracy into the rubber stamp of dictatorship. We will not let them. They want, because they can't get their way on every judge, to change the rules in midstream to wash away 200 years of history. They want to make this country into a banana republic where if you don't get your way, you change the rules. Are we going to let them? No! It'll be a doomsday for democracy if we do. You know, what Mitch McConnell could do right now, the current yes. minority leader, <laughs> is take the script of that Chuck Schumer speech from 2005, and he should get up in the Senate. I want to quote... Senate Majority Leader Schumer right now, and what he had to say about doing away with the filibuster in 2005, and that'd be it. Yeah, you know, Ray, we're we're all prone to hypocrisy. Okay, well, I'll speak for myself. <laughs> I am prone to hypocrisy. I think it's in human nature, and by hypocrisy, I mean you y- you say one thing, you do another, 
or under one set of circumstances, you say this. When the set of circumstances is over here, you say the complete opposite. But this is this is laughable for Chuck Schumer to have just 16 years ago say one thing about the filibuster when it benefits his political party and then to flip when the shoe's on the other foot. Look, if you're going to be a hypocrite, Ed, you should do it when the cameras are not (laughs) running and the microphones are not going. And I guess I would be hard on it, but uh, to to grab a word from earlier in the program, my hypocrisies, I guess, are immeasurable. (laughs) You know, (laughs) we we are all hypocrites. We've all done what Chuck Schumer has done. We've said one thing and then we've contradicted ourselves later. I don't think Chuck Schumer is going to. I don't think he's going to apologize for that at all. No, he'll he'll explain it in a way that rationalizes his hypocrisy. And by the way, I want to make it clear. Republicans are are have been hypocrites on this sure. matter as well because what Chuck Schumer's talking about is the Republican Senate saying we can't get anything done because the Democrats keep throwing the filibuster at everything we do. Mm-hmm. Maybe it's time for us to nuke it on this particular issue. So both sides can be hypocritical yes. about this, and I, I want to make that point clear. But Chuck Schumer is being hypocritical. <laughs> And I think to your point, if uh, uh, Mitch McConnell wanted to have a good laugh at his expense, he would play this clip. Yes. Just play it. Just play it. (laughs) All right, folks, we are going to take a five-minute break for news, as if you needed more news, but you're going to get more news. Uh, American Family News, our fine radio news team, prepares these top-of-the-hour five-minute news broadcasts. And they are filled with information at a quick pace. So we're going to take a five-minute break for news. And when we come back, more news and information from a Christian perspective coming your way. You're listening to today's issues on the American Family Radio Network. We'll be back in five. The views and opinions expressed in this broadcast may not necessarily reflect those of the American Family Association or American Family Radio.